0: Almost concluded with the book of second Corinthians and so we are uh, today We're on chapter 12 and then next week we finish with chapter 13 uh, And then it's already Palm Sunday. Pastor Howard is going to be preaching on Palm Sunday We're gonna have some baptisms that day. So looking forward to that and then the week after that is Easter Sunday already and so uh, Just uh, a lot to be thankful for a lot of exciting things here as a church uh, family, as we get further into spring and looking into the summer. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to pick up today. And if you haven't been here in a couple weeks, maybe it's um, uh, first time or first time in a few weeks um, that you've been here. Just to uh, kind of bring you up where we're at. The, the Apostle Paul is, is really giving a defense of himself to the church at Corinth. What's going on is there are those questioning whether he's really called or questioning what his true motive is and so Paul last week we looked at he lists all of these things that he's gone through for the church for the sake of the gospel he said, look I, I I'm not trying to get something out of you in other words he's saying I didn't have this he's like I even he's like I took support from other churches. But I didn't even take it from you. Not that it would have been wrong of him to do. Now, he collected offerings from them to help the church in Jerusalem at need. But he told them, he's like, look, I wasn't taking anything from you like for my own needs. Other churches, other churches. Um, he's, he's, he's speaking kind of metaphorically when he said, I robbed from other churches um, and didn't receive from you. Basically, what he's saying is other churches came through to support me and to meet my needs. I didn't even get it, take anything from you because I didn't want there to be an occasion for you to point out that's why he's doing it. And then he goes on and he lists all of the sufferings that he's gone through for the cause of Christ and really for because he loves this church. And he lists all of those things. And so even though he's not doing it to brag or glory in himself, he even says, and even we're going to see again today... He almost feels uncomfortable listing all of his credentials because he doesn't want to come across that it's anything like in and of himself. It's all of Christ. But he says now in chapter 12, he's like, it's not, he says, it is not expedient. That word just means profitable or helpful. He says, it's not profitable for me, doubtless to glory. He says, I'll come to you or I will come "...to visions and revelations of the Lord." So he's saying, look, I I don't think it's necessary... ...or or I don't think it's helpful that I'm bragging or glorying in myself. But he's saying, look, I have received visions and revelations from God. And he's going to point out, like, this is part of what's separating him from false apostles. Now, not every servant of Christ at this time received revelations from God... I mean, as far as we know, even like Titus and Timothy, who were his fellow laborers, didn't receive direct revelation from God, but Paul did, and God, again, in a very unique way, as an apostle, that God um, met with him and God, uh, God revealed Himself to him. He says, "I knew a man in Christ." He says about fourteen, over fourteen years, above fourteen years ago. And so, when Paul says, I knew a man, he's actually referring to himself here. But he's like, I know this guy a little over 14 years ago. He says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. He says he was caught up to the third heaven. So, Paul's talking about himself here, that Paul... ...was actually caught up to heaven... ...and whether it was like... ...an out of body experience... ...this vision... ...or whether he like actually... like ...physically was taken up there... ...he said, I don't really know... ...he said, but I was caught up to the third heaven... ...now this... ...in heaven, there's not levels of heaven... ...it's just a way how they would refer to... ...they they would refer to like... ...you know, the sky that we see... ...that's the first heaven... ...the outer space... Uh, Is the second heaven. And then the third heaven is like where God dwells. And so that's what he means when he says third heaven. They're like, I was caught up to that third heaven. He says, and I know a man, he repeats himself, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. He's like, God knows. And so we, you know, can speculate. Was this some kind of vision? Did he, was he literally physically taken to heaven? Well, Paul didn't even know. It was just a crazy experience, and he says I was caught up to heaven. In fact, he said it was. He says I was caught up to paradise. So this is talking about heaven, and paradise would be a way they would refer to, like they would refer to like this beautiful, um, this beautiful garden that would be like this luxurious place that only kings and wealthy. Would would be in well that's how he's describing heaven. He's I was caught up to paradise, and here's what he says about heaven. And this is like, it's really intriguing, but it's also really exciting, because he says about heaven or about paradise, he said that I heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So in other words, he's saying his experience was like he couldn't even describe it in human words. Now the Bible does tell us a lot about heaven and I love places like the end of Revelation where it describes what heaven's going to be like and and I think as believers we do have an indication of some of the things that are going to be in heaven. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be a place where a time when sin is gone. Amen. No more pain. No more suffering, no more sickness, no more hospitals, no more crime, no more disappointment, no more heartache. And all of us at that point say, Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. We long for that day. But be it Paul saying, Look, when I was caught up to this heaven, he's like, I I couldn't even utter. Like, he's like, I can't even describe what I saw. It was just so glorious, it was so wonderful. And he says, Of such in one will or of, of such an one will I glory, yet not of myself will I glory. But he says, I'm gonna glory in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I, he's like I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think me above that which he seemeth to be, or that he heareth of me. So Paul's saying, Look, I'm not bragging and glorying of myself. When I tell you these things again, keep in mind the background in the context here. Paul is talking about why he's even pointing out that he's had these revelations from God is because there are false teachers who are trying to undermine him, saying they're questioning his motive. They're, they're talking about how that he's not even for real. And so he's actually pointing out in the last few chapters. No, I, I genuinely am for real. I am truly a sent one from God. And these other false teachers, they're preaching another Jesus. A Jesus that cannot save you because it's a false Jesus. And they're adding things to the work of the gospel. They're, they're corrupting the truth and changing Jesus. And so I'm not going to re, re-preach all of last week's sermon. You can go back and listen to it if you weren't here for it. But it's so important that, that we understand that, like, look, while there's a lot of things... That, that Christians can maybe differ on, have differences of opinion on. There's some things in Scripture that maybe just aren't super clear. And so what we should have is, I think, a charitable, gracious attitude towards people that we disagree with on some of those things. However, there are, are literal false teachers out there that preach another gospel, that preach another Jesus and the reason that's so damaging is this that if someone's preaching another Jesus it's a Jesus that isn't in the scripture that a Jesus that doesn't exist and therefore cannot save them and so that's why this is a big deal that's why that it's important when 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 people are 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 presenting a different gospel and a different Jesus and some of these cults that are out there that are presenting this, they're not just innocent, harmless people. They're actually preaching a false gospel, a gospel that if people are believing and being led astray with, it's a really serious thing. It's leading them away from Christ, the only one that can say. So this is the context. This is why Paul's kind of what looks like he's bragging he's like look i almost feel like i'm 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 foolish in the sense he says of having to defend myself to you but that's where he was at so he's saying he's had these visions but then he says it's interesting because now this takes a turn because there's so much that paul could brag about but he's going to say this verse 7 he says lest i should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations So in other words, lest I should be elevated and prideful because of having these revelations from God. He said, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. That word uh, buffet, we look at it and think buffet, right? We think food automatically. That's trust me. That's not what this means. Buffet it's like literally, it's like say that this thorn in the flesh that, that God and God's allowed it. God's in control of it, God's allowed it, but it's like he's let Satan use this thorn in the flesh to just beat him up, to just pound on him. And when we think of thorn, like don't think like flowers with little thorns. Like the, the word thorn here literally means to like be impaled with something. Think of like a, a spike. And Paul said. This thorn in my flesh, this, this, and we don't know what it is exactly, but he says this came from God. God actually allowed this, that sometimes God will allow people to do some things. He'll allow even Satan to come and, and like he did with Job and allow what we look at as really bad things to happen. But Know this, I'm not saying that God makes people sin because maybe you maybe your thorn in the flesh is that someone has sinned against you. And so like this, the, you're in a really bad situation in life, not necessarily because of your decisions, but because of someone else's bad decisions. Have you been there? Are you there now? And that's just like a, a thorn in your flesh. It's just something that you really wish wasn't, wasn't there. But know this, God's in control of that. And again, I'm not saying that God makes people sin. But sometimes God will allow people to follow through with some of those evil intentions and desires. But God has the final word. God has a beautiful intention. That God is going to use those things. It's like what Corey ten Boom said. She said, sometimes God will permit the things that he hates to accomplish the things that he loves. And sometimes God will allow those thorns in the flesh to come, but he has a great purpose in it. So what is that purpose? Well, first of all, let's talk some more about the thorn in the flesh. What was it for Paul? We don't really know. We don't really know. I mean, it could be a number of different things. It seems like it was something that people kind of knew about. So maybe it was some kind of physical infirmity. Have you heard that? I mean, if you've maybe grew up in church or been studying recently about Paul and, and I know we've you know, preached several books that he wrote. And so maybe you've heard things like it was a really poor eyesight that Paul had. Have you heard that it very well may be. But we don't know exactly might have been a physical deformity even because these jokers that were they were trying to corrupt the church at Corinth, they were like they were belittling Paul about his appearance. You know, saying that his appearance was was detestable. And so it could have been some kind, maybe some physical deformity. Maybe it was a really bad health issue. Or maybe it was just a, a a strained relationship. Whatever it is, there was something. It was literally a pain, a a thorn in the flesh that Paul really didn't want to have. In fact, he said this. He said in verse 8, He says, I besought the Lord. That word besought, it means more than just like a casual asking. It's like he was pleading with God three times for God to take it away. I mean, this was a big deal. And that three times when he says, I besought the Lord thrice. Some scholars think that that phrase about about how how he asked God thrice was just kind of like a figure of speech. That it could have been something he was constantly asking. Maybe, but we know at least three times, maybe more, Paul's asking God. He's begging God, take away this thorn in the flesh. But God wasn't going to do it. Now, but what we see is this before we get into God's purpose in our pain and suffering, because that's really the gist of our message today is how God used Paul's suffering and how God can use ours. We see some possible reasons that definitely God used in Paul's life that could be also true in ours. But I think it's an important thing to note that it's okay to go to God in prayer and ask him to remove difficult things in our life. Like, that's okay to do. And here's the thing. Our faith is really, really strengthened when we see answers to prayer, isn't it? Like, just this last week, there were two different, two different instances where there were people that I was praying with and praying for... And like God answered that prayer in a very real powerful way. And when we see that, you know what that does? That strengthens our faith. Amen. There's nothing wrong with praying if you're sick. There's nothing. In fact, we're told to pray for those that are sick, that God would heal them. Nothing wrong with that. We do that not only on Sundays, but when our connection groups meet throughout the week, One of the things that we spend time doing is we pray for one another. What are the needs? Sometimes they're physical needs. Sometimes it's, you know, it's health related and that's okay to pray. Sometimes it's with wisdom and for, for different, maybe relationships or different situations with your work. And sometimes it's just asking God to, to, to work in someone's heart and to change someone's heart. And, and the point is this. It's okay to pray for those things and to pray boldly and to pray in faith for those things. And when we see God answer those prayers, it gives us great confidence so we can pray and we can pray boldly. But you know what? There's times that God may not answer the prayer how we want him to. And it doesn't mean that God's angry at us. And it doesn't mean that God's punishing us. And it doesn't mean that God's not listening to us. I mean, this is a called apostle of God. Again, we talked about, we talked about his Paul's resume the last couple of weeks because he talks about it. And we think, whoa, man, God, yeah, God used him to do some great things. In fact, Paul Uh, Paul said, I know we're kind of skipping around here, but in verse 12, he says, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So he's saying, look, there are some mighty works that God did through me. I'm an apostle. So God empowered me to do that. However, even the apostle Paul prayed fervently and God didn't answer the prayer how Paul wanted him to. Why, why would God not remove that thorn in the flesh? But I guess better yet, what we're all wondering is why doesn't God remove our thorn in the flesh? Or in other words, why doesn't God change the situation that you are so desperately praying for him to change? Why doesn't sometimes God heal the person That you so desperately want him to heal. Why doesn't God change the heart of that person that you're so burdened and concerned about? Why does God sometimes not answer those prayers in the way and in the time we want him to? What good can come out of our affliction? What good can come out of our thorn in the flesh, so to speak? Well, I think we see at least four things right here in this text. Four ways God uses suffering. Four ways that Paul saw that God was using the thorn in the flesh. In fact, Paul actually then just honestly admits how his whole perspective changed. The thing he was asking God to take away, he actually changed his perspective and said he rejoiced in it. He actually took pleasure in it. Why? Because he saw God had a purpose in it. First of all, we see this the suffering can sometimes, that thorn in the flesh, that affliction, that suffering can sometimes bring a greater humility in our lives. That's what Paul was saying. Now, look, what I'm not saying is that if you're going through a difficult time, it's because you're arrogant and God's just humbling you. That's not what I'm saying, right? I mean, maybe God does that sometimes. Like, you ever, you know, you you ever just like, you, you hear people in, And particularly right now during March Madness, you know, if you're a basketball fan, you're watching, you know, basketball games. And sometimes like you can hear, you'll hear maybe an interview with a player or a coach. And they're just like, can be sometimes extremely arrogant, just really cocky and arrogant. And like, you just kind of know. All right, yeah, next, next game, they're probably going to go down. They're, they're, just, they're setting themselves up for a fall, right? Sometimes God does that to us. Sometimes God knows, hey, we're, we're proud and he needs to bring us low. But I'm not necessarily saying, like, in a sense that, oh, God's punishing us and, and humiliating us. No, sometimes those afflictions God just brings to keep us humble. Just because otherwise maybe we could become proud or arrogant. Well, Paul saw this thorn in the flesh as a way of God bringing about greater humility in him. Because he says, otherwise, he says, verse 8, he says, lest or, or another, otherwise I would be exalted above measure. Why? Through the abundance of the revelations. In other words, God's directly speaking to Paul. God is giving him these visions and speaking directly to him. And Paul's like, yeah, because I've had some of those things... Paul thought that, you know what, if God didn't give me this thorn in the flesh, I could be exalted above measure. I could become too proud. And sometimes that's what affliction can do. Sometimes that's what that thorn in the flesh can do. Because if we think, man, I've got everything figured out, and then God brings something that we can't figure out, it can bring a greater humility. It can bring a greater humility, which then leads into, it can bring a greater reliance upon him. In other words, it can cause us to then seek God. It can draw us close to God. That's what happened with Paul. Paul said, because of this thorn in the flesh, he said, I besought or I begged of God three times. And again, that three times could be referring to like literally he prayed three times to God for that specific thing. Or again, it could be like this figure of speech where it's like just constantly Paul's praying. Constantly God's asking him to remove that. So let, let me ask you this question. Do you pray more when things are good in life? Do you pray more when there's no problems? Or do you, do I pray more and seek God when there's difficult times? Now, should we seek God in the good times and have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness? Yes, absolutely. But our human nature and human tendency is that sometimes we don't seek God when things are good. And so it could be that the thorn in the flesh, it could be the situation in your life that you've asked God to take away, that that you really want God to take away. It could be the very thing That's drawing you close to God. And I don't know if you've experienced this. In fact, I bet you have. But I know for me that many times when I'm really praying fervently for something. You know what? More than God just changing the situation. God changes my heart. God, it's a way to help align my heart with God. What is your will? And again, I'm not saying we can't specifically pray for God to remove certain things or pray for God to do certain things. Yes, we can, because we have a God that hears and answers our prayers. Amen. And that can give us faith when we see God answer prayers. But sometimes it's like, no, God's not going to answer it in the time we want, because he is using this to draw us close to him. And that's what happened with the apostle Paul. But not only that, I think that it also draws us close to God in the sense that sometimes Even for unbelievers, God will bring adversity. God will bring devastation, like traumatic circumstances in their life. Because that's what God's going to use to draw them to salvation. That's what God's going to use to bring them to a relationship with, with him. And I see this all the time. I see this all the time with people and especially like in these last couple years of all the people that have come to faith in Christ. They come and they, maybe they walk into the doors at cross point for the first time. And then they come to know the Lord as savior. And you know what? For many of them, not everyone, but for many of them, the reason that they had even a desire an interest of, of, of coming to a church. Was not because life was going really, really well. Was not because life was just full of uh, just, just, just a, a bed of roses, so to speak. No, life got really messy and complicated. They experienced hurt and loss and trauma. Some of you sitting in here now, some that were sitting in our nine thirty service just an hour ago, that is what brought you to faith in Christ. Was that God drew you. ...through difficult times. And so I think if we look at that... it, ...it should give us a better perspective... ...of difficult times and suffering. Again, I'm not saying that's the only reason... ...but that sure seems like... ...God does use that quite often. And... ...I think like Paul... ...we can look back and actually... ...be thankful for those things God allowed. Because it's what brought us to... ...Him. So not only suffering... ...can bring a greater humility... ...not only does it draw us closer to God... ...but can al- it can also... ...give us a greater appreciation... ...for the grace of God. Because you know what God's answer to Paul was? It wasn't... ...I'm going to take it away. It wasn't... ...I'm going to take you out of it. God's answer to Paul was... ...I'm going to sustain you... ...through it. Right, And many times our prayer is this... God, take me out. But God says, no, I'm going to take you through. Many times our prayer is, God, change the situation, please. But God's answer is, no, I'm going to change you through that situation. Sometimes our prayer is, God, just get get me out of the situation. But God's answer is, no, I'm going to give you grace to go through it. And that's what God's answer to Paul was. He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is going to be enough. And Paul said, because of that, it changed his perspective on it. He says, my, my God's, God says to Paul, when, when, when Paul goes to God and asks him, God, take this from me. God's answer is, my grace is sufficient for thee. He says, for my strength. This is God speaking to Paul. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, so most gladly... I'll glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And so maybe your prayer today, maybe your prayer for a long time has been, God, please take away this thorn in the flesh, whatever that thorn in the flesh is. Maybe it's God, please take it away. And you know what? God might. God might remove it. God might miraculously change your situation. God might miraculously change someone's heart. God could do those things, but maybe God's response is going to be like here. No, my grace is going to sustain you through it. I'm going to be your sustaining strength and grace to go through this. And maybe... That's where you are. And just like with Paul, who who, when God said, my grace is going to be sufficient for you, for me, God's grace is going to be sufficient. And some of you have walked through some really dark times in life. And looking back, you see God's grace was sufficient. The fact that you haven't lost faith. The fact that your faith wasn't shattered. If anything, your faith was strengthened. And what that shows us is God's grace is enough. That God's grace is sufficient. And that's something that just, honestly, it inspires me. And that's something that gives me a greater faith, is when I see people who walk through dark times, who have this this just really, really real and powerful thorn in the flesh that's just impelling them. There's just a really bad situation, but yet I see that God is sustaining them through it. It gives us confidence to see that, you know what, God's grace is going to be enough. Maybe you've gone through a really dark time like that. Here's the thing, maybe you will go through a dark time. Now, I don't think we should sit around and obsess over every possible horrible thing that could happen, you know, in our life or to our children. Like, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's good. But we do have to face reality that we are in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, there's sickness, there's disease, there's, from our perspective, untimely death, there's heartache, there's pain, there's people you love that hurt you, there's people that you love that walk away from you, that walk away from everything. Maybe it's a child that's walked away from everything that you've taught them and how you've raised them. And look, the reality is we're in a fallen, sinful world and those things happen, but we have a gracious God. We have a gracious, powerful God that can change people, that can change situations. And the times when he doesn't, he allows us to go through those things. Know this, that his grace is enough and his grace is sufficient. And then lastly, Paul saw that not only his suffering brought a greater humility, not only his suffering drew him closer to God, not only his suffering or that thorn in the flesh was a way he could see God's grace, but... That suffering, that thorn in the flesh was a way for God to display his power. Because here's the thing. God's power is on a great display when it's through our weakness. Now, we think the opposite, right? We think God's power is going to be displayed through our strength and through our success. And sometimes it can be, right? There are certain people that God gives a, a maybe a greater platform of success. Maybe it's a wealthy business person. Maybe it's a successful athlete and they have this platform or this audience because of their success. And we say, amen, use that for God's glory. And we all would like to volunteer for that one, right? God, display your power through success. Display your power through through, through elevating me maybe to a certain position or place. And we're all willing to sign up for that one. And God very well may do that. And if God does give you that success, if God gives you that platform, use it for his glory. Amen? But you know a lot of times how God displays his power? It's through our weakness. That way his power is on display. Because people see, no, it's not them it's it's actually god working through them it's god's power that's sustaining them it's god's power that's enabling them what i'm simply saying is that many times through our maybe weakness or even through some of our insecurities through some of the things we think we're we're not capable of maybe we're not we're not enabled to do them how we want to do them and You know what? Well, we're in good company. Paul said this thorn in the flesh brought weakness, but it was through that weakness that God displayed his power. He says that that it was because of that thorn in the flesh, he said that the power of Christ might rest upon me. And whether God gives you a platform of success, whether God gives you a platform of of accomplishments and, hey, use that for his glory. But if God maybe is allowing you through this season of life right now to go through difficulty, to go through hard times in your life, recognize this. You know what? It's okay to pray that God would change it. It's okay to pray that God would take you out of it or take this thing from you. Don't feel like you can't pray that. But just know this, that God's answer to your prayer might be like his answer to Paul. No, I'm going to take you through it. But my grace is going to be sufficient. And my power is going to be displayed in weakness. Because maybe God's saying to you, no, I'm not taking you out. I'm going to take you through it. I'm not going to change a situation. I'm going to change you in this situation. And God's power will be on display and God's grace will be on display. And it's going to be powerful to see, for others to look and see how God uses what we think is weakness. Something we wouldn't want to go through. But God will allow it for his glory. That's what we see here in the Apostle Paul. Because again, in the context of a, the middle of this conversation of him defending his apostleship, he says, yep, yeah, all these things God's allowed me to do, all these things I've gone through, these visions, these revelations. But he said, you know what? God's also given me a thorn in the flesh. God's also given me some adversity. God's also given me something that I wish wasn't there. But when he saw God's purpose in it, He says, I'm actually going to take pleasure in the infirmities. Why? He says, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. God's power is going to be on display. He says, I am become a fool and glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. And he goes on to say, look, there's truly signs of an apostle will rot among you. Like, you want signs? You want to know a real apostle? Well, you've seen, you've seen it. You've seen the wonders, the mighty deeds, the signs that I've done that only can come from a true apostle. He says, but what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you and I'll not be burdensome to you. So Paul's saying, look, I've come to you twice. I'm going to come a third time. He's like, my intention isn't to burden you. Why are you acting like I am a burden to you? He's like, I want to come not to burden you, but to to help you. He says, look, for I'm not seeking yours, but you. What that means is this. He's like, I'm not seeking what I can get from you, but what I can give to you. He's like, just like children. They're not the ones to lay up for their parents. In other words, he's saying like, Children aren't the ones that are supposed to take care of their their parents and lay up up for inheritance for their parents. It's the other way around. Parents are doing that for children. And so Paul looked at himself as a spiritual father to this church. He's saying, I'm not coming to be burdensome to you. I'm not coming to see what I can get out of you. No, I'm coming. I'm coming because I truly care about you. I'm actually coming for you, not for what I can get from you. And he says, verse 15... I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. So, wow, this is like, it's powerful, but it's kind of heartbreaking. Because Paul says, look, I'm displaying love for you, but that's not being reciprocated. And this is hard. Again, like, see how this applies to you. See how this applies to you. Because it's hard, it's hard to love people that don't reciprocate that back. It's hard to sacrifice for people that won't do anything in re- return for you. You know, and, and again, in our society, and our way of thinking as well, you know, you people that don't appreciate you and don't love you, well, I'm just going to cut them off. I'm going to X them out. Now, there's definitely a time. There's definitely a time where, you know, especially if someone, if you are becoming an enabler to someone, where you do need to cut that off. And you do need to stop enabling them because you're not truly helping them. Totally get that. But I think that so often we have an attitude that's the opposite of the Apostle Paul. It's, well, you know what? If they're going to mistreat me, then I'm just Xing them out. You know, there there was a thing, it was more popular a few years ago, but remember like on Facebook and stuff, people would give this warning about how they're about ready to clean their friend list and just, you know, like X all these, X all these people out of their, out of their life. And again, I'm not saying there might not be a time when it's appropriate, you know, to make some changes in your friendship. But I think too often, like we're just so quick to just X people out if they're no longer of use or benefit to us. You ever experienced that? That hurts, doesn't it? I experienced that I experienced that recently in a ministry context. Where this person was like, you know, made it seem like they were just my best buddy. And then, you know, I, I couldn't come through in something they wanted me to do. And then just completely cut me off and ignored me. You know, and that hurts, doesn't it? And I'll be honest, I didn't respond like Paul did. I didn't respond in a great way. And, and I, I feel bad for that. But But it's easy when we feel like someone... Who is, who is not appreciative or they're not reciprocating that love back to just X them out. But Paul says, no, look, I, I truly, church, I'm truly not just seeking what I can get from you. I'm actually willing to be spent for you. Wow, what a display of love. What a, what a really good attitude for him to have. Now, again, it was burdensome to him. You could tell this affected him, but still he said, but be it so I did not burden you. He says, nevertheless, being crafty, he's like, I caught you with, with, with guile or deceit. He's like, you guys were being deceitful and I wasn't. He says, did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus. And with him, I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked me not in the same spirit, walked me not in the same steps. He's like, even I'm sending Titus to you. I'm sending other people to you. And like it's not to try to like manipulate you and to get something from you. So why are you guys reciprocating it in this way? We'll pick up, we'll pick up there with the end of chapter 12 and finish chapter 13 next week as we conclude our series. But so much from this, this chapter as we look at Paul, a unique called apostle of God. And yet he's saying in the midst of him defending his apostleship. He has this amazing perspective on why God allowed suffering in his life. And I think if we're wise, we will see that, yes, this book was written by Paul to a specific church. But the word of God was written for us to then apply and and put this in practice in our own life. And maybe for you, like, that that practicality of this is that you right now are going, you have a thorn in your flesh right now. You have something in your life right now that you really wish God would remove. And you know what? It's okay to pray and ask that God would remove it. It's okay to pray and ask that God would change the the, the person or the situation. Pray. But know this, that if the prayer isn't answered how and when you want it to be, it's not that God didn't hear you. It's not that God is angry at you. It's not that God's trying to punish you. It's just that God could have a greater purpose in it. That God could be allowing those things for one of many reasons. But it could be that God is just allowing you to go through a time of maybe a purging time of of teaching you, of teaching me a greater humility. Maybe it's for us to just totally turn to him and rely upon him, which goes hand in hand with humility. It draws us to God, recognizing God, we need you. Maybe it's God's just going to display his grace of not taking you out, but he's going to sustain you through. And maybe it's a way that God is going to put his power on display for the whole world to see. Or the people around you to see maybe what you're going through, but to see that, you know what? Wow, God is empowering you and God is enabling you. And it's God's strength, not for you or for me to be glorified, but for God to be glorified. So may we have that perspective when it comes to going through suffering, when it comes to going through that thorn in the flesh, God, take it away, please. But God, if not, please show me what you're doing through this. Give me a greater, give, give, may we all come to that place like Paul where we could actually welcome those things because we know God is working in those things. And then may we truly have a love for the people that God's placed in our life. Again, I'm not saying that you need to allow yourself to be abused or allow yourself to be used and allow yourself to be hurt. Because sometimes when we do that, we actually become enablers of people. But I am asking that all of us would consider before just cutting people off, before just Xing someone out, may we have this attitude like Paul that, look, we truly love you and care for you. and, And before I just completely completely block you in life and burn that bridge. Maybe just it's to reach out to someone and let them know that you care about them, that you still love them, that you haven't given up on them. And may we seek not just what we can get from people, but how we can help how we can serve. And again, this is what Paul's saying in defense of his apostleship. Hey, these false teachers that you're listening to, they're in it for themselves. They have bad motives, and that's why they're preaching a bad message. He's like, they have ulterior motives. They do not care about you. They care about themselves. But Paul said, look, I truly care about you, and that's why when difficult times are here, I'm not running. I'm actually going through those things because I truly care about you and truly love you. May God give us that love for people. I think all of us would say, man, we we fall short of that often, don't we? But may that be our desire. That we would love people in the way that Paul loved this church here in Corinth. Let's let's conclude with prayer. God, I thank you.